Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of Talking Leadership. I'm Dan Mulraney. We have another great show for you today as we welcome an amazing leader and current chief of police from the North Wildwood Police Department, Chief John Stevenson. Chief Stevenson has certainly paid his dues over a 30-plus year career in law enforcement. He started his career as a special law enforcement officer working summers in the North Wildwood Police Department before taking on a full-time role as a patrolman with the agency. From there, he moved up through the ranks of the department, holding nearly every title that the department has, before ultimately being sworn in as the 13th Chief of Police in North Wildwood, New Jersey. We'll hear from Chief Stevenson shortly, but first, his career brings me to my opening monologue. First, be a follower. I'm sure you've heard a lot of people say, you're a leader, not a follower. But you won't hear many people talk about this. I say there's great value in being a follower. Like Chief Stevenson coming up through the ranks, spend those early days, months, and years of your career being a loyal and dutiful follower. Take your time. Slow down and learn. Learn from those around you and above you. Become a student of your profession. Understand the mission and vision of your agency and organization. Watch and learn what drives those around you. What brings the team together and conversely, what drives them apart? People are in such a hurry to get promoted, they don't spend the time in each of these segments of their career with the eye on growth. Grow in each role as it presents itself. Become proficient in all areas. Accept constructive criticism. Not everybody's good at that. I certainly wasn't. But that's okay. Admit it and work on it. Understand and admit your weaknesses and then work on them. Honesty and openness with yourself and others will build personal and professional growth. And don't shy away from difficult tasks, especially early in your career. Dive in there, make your mistakes, and grow from them. Avoiding these mistakes due to lack of confidence or fear of failure only complicates the growth process. You'll hear the chief talk about this. It's okay to make mistakes. Hopefully you have great leadership above you that allows you to make mistakes or even fail at times as part of your growth. You need to have the freedom to fail. We can learn a lot from good leaders who allow you to fail. They understand the importance of that in the growth process. It's okay to be a follower, but a follower with purpose. That's the key word. Not just mindlessly waiting to be told what to do, seeking out challenges and growth opportunities. Those around you will start to see you as a leader if you do those things, even if you don't have a title. Remember, you can lead from anywhere in the department, and people will seek you out. By working on yourself, both personally and professionally, and becoming proficient in all stages of your career, you'll be amazingly prepared to take on any leadership challenge. You could jump from organization to organization, like many people do, to accelerate your promotional process, make more money, get a better title. But 
Honestly, the chances of your success are much greater in the long run if you slow down, pay your dues, understand and grow yourself, then become the leader you've always wanted to be. Okay, so let's get ready to welcome our guest for tonight, Chief John Stevenson, the fourth consecutive John Aloysius Stevenson and his family to join the ranks of a law enforcement agency. Born and raised in South Philadelphia, a young John Stevenson spent his summers at the Jersey Shore in the Wildwoods and eventually made the commitment to join the North Wildwood Police Department as a summer special law enforcement officer. The next 30 plus years saw John Stevenson move through the ranks and ultimately attain the rank of Chief of Police. As I plan for this podcast each month, I search for leaders who continuously display leadership skills, who understand leadership principles and apply them effortlessly during each part of their daily routine, creating a culture of growth, unity, support, and positivity. I've been following the North Wildwood PD, and I know that Chief Stevenson is one of those leaders, and that's why I've asked him to be on the show tonight. So happy to have him here. Chief, thank you for three-plus decades of service. Congratulations on an amazing career, and I appreciate you taking the time to be with us tonight. Welcome to the show. I appreciate it, Dan, and thank you for having me here. I'm really looking forward to doing this with you. You know, 30 years is, a, is, a, is an incredibly long time to be in law enforcement. You've accomplished so many things and done so many wonderful things uh, along the way. Um, so much for us to talk about uh, over the next half hour or so. But I want to take you back 30 years. Um, I'm looking here at, at Philadelphia Row Home Magazine. They did a great article about you. Nice picture of you there uh, in this article. And it talks about how a South Philly kid uh, ends up being the chief of police uh, in, in North Wildwood. And talks about you as you grow up, uh, graduating St. John Newman High School, uh, attending what is now called uh, Penn State Abington, and thinking about being an architect. <laughs> so at some point, uh, your, your thought process changes. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and, and how you ended up where you were. So, like you mentioned in the foreword a little bit, that I'm the fourth generation police. Uh, my dad, grandfather, great-grandfather, Philadelphia, great-grandfather, uh, he died in the line of duty in 1930. Um, but my grandfather and uh, father for Philadelphia. Um, I was going to, to break that mold. I was always kind of the kid that, not doing his own thing all the time, but I wasn't just going to fall into the family I guess the career, I wanted to do something else. I could always draw. And I thought that, uh, you know what? Architecture sounds good. So by the time I get to Penn State, I didn't have a car. Penn State, Abington from South Philly, had to take the Broad Street subway, take the Route 55 bus on SEPTA to go up Old York Road to Abington. It's probably about an hour and a half each way. So I get there, I could draw, but the, the math wasn't the, the greatest. So I could draw you a great house, but the walls wouldn't stand up because of the math. So I started, you know, I have to start to refocus. So I go there for a semester. It wasn't really going to classes, wasn't feeling it. But my parents said, you have to do something. 
So I go to Community College of Philadelphia for a semester the next year, and I'm just done with the school. So again, my dad says, you have to work. So I worked at UPS. I used to do, used to on Oregon Avenue in South Philly. With the, I would um, I would unload the trucks on uh, with the boxes. I would do the West Virginia, Eastern Ohio, and the Western PA truck, and I would come in there and do that. And one it was four hours. Moved around jobs. I worked Pathmark. I worked Shoprite. I even went down the shore for that next summer. And Anna's caramel corn at Twenty Fifth and the Boardwalk. I worked, and I would make uh, caramel corn and. All my friends would come up and take pictures and laugh, and he's the best shucker of caramel corn on the island, you know. So again, I'm I'm 20, don't know what to do, and my uncle Jake was a lieutenant with the the North Wildwood PD, and again, I did not want to be a police officer. So my dad says, "Why don't you just try to be a be a summer cop for it um, one summer? Just do it, you know, see how you go." So didn't really want to do it, but I had nothing else going on. So I said, all right, I'll do the summer cop. And, and as you know, Dan, Cape May County Police Academy is known for being tough. Um, and they put out some great officers, and there's a reason for it. You know, putting on that, that fake stress, um, getting in your face, the shout downs. If you can't hack that, then how are you going to hack it out on the street when people are surrounding you and uh, howling in your face and all that? So... I was ready to quit in the first week. And, uh, you know, all these cops from Avalon and Ocean City and all hollering at you in your face and uh, wasn't feeling it. And my dad says, you're not going to embarrass the family. You're not going to you know, embarrass your uncle who, you know, um, who works there for the department you're working for and all. So I wound up going through and uh, got out. And that was the summer of 93 and onto an actual squad on the street. I was uh, assigned to the street and it literally came easy to me. I think a big reason was I was always surrounded by police, um, FOP in Philadelphia for Christmas parties and family friends um, who were police officers, uh, family at Thanksgiving telling about the old cop stories all the time. So I guess in a way I was being trained in a way all these years to come in and I really felt like I had excelled at, at the, the job. I worked the summer of 93 and 94 and I was, they kept me on a little bit to work in the winter to help offset some vacation time. And I took the full-time test and I scored high enough where they offered me a job in 1995. And I got hired there and uh, start going up like the different um, things you said. I was uh I was a patrolman for seven years, moved into the detective division where I became sergeant in the detective, uh, detective division from 02 to 06. Then I was a patrol sergeant for six years. So literally got the got uh, my time in. Um, I was only a lieutenant for about 18 months and then ended up as captain of operations for eight years, which ended up being the longest um, rank I had out of, out of anything. And then, as uh, you said, June 30th uh, became the, the, the 13th chief. So from being an architect, sitting on a SEPTA bus an hour and a half and hating going to school and not really wanting to be a cop, turning to how, how life takes you in different ways. And here I am sitting as the chief of police is a pretty interesting route, I think. 
<laughs> I think so too. I think so too. And I think it's pretty cool that, um, you know, that you, you stuck with it and, and you hung in there and, and at some point you started to feel it. You're like, yeah, maybe this is where I belong. So uh, I think that's pretty cool. I think that's a pretty cool story. And, uh, and, and everybody, everybody loves a good story. And, and I think yours is, is pretty amazing. Uh, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, so you're, you're going through these ranks. I, I mean, you know, over the course of, of years, you know, you're, you're starting, you know, as a, as a, as a class two, as a summer officer, and then becoming a patrolman and then achieving some rank. Are you, are you thinking about leadership at all at that point? Are you just kind of watching the leaders and trying to take it all in and how much are you thinking about your future? What's going on so, during that time? So at first, there's almost like a pecking order as far as your first year seasonal. Keep your head down and just and don't open your mouth. That's basically what you're told by the full-time officers at that point. Go up, you become a second year. And now you have some experience. And now you are almost put in a position where you're going to ride with one of the seasonal officers but the sergeant is expecting you to be a leader in a way of getting that new rookie uh, class two officer in ready to go and patrol, getting sure he has his uh, reports, make sure, you know, he's doing the right thing on the street. So, and it keeps going up from there. Like when you become a patrolman full time, now the, all the seasonals are looking at you and you're still, you know, as officers are being hired behind you, um, you're starting, there becomes those inner circles, you know, they have the outer circle and the inner circle, the inner groups. It almost becomes like, all right, who you can start to see who's uh, taking charge on calls. You can start to mm -hmm. see who's not going to wait for, um, you know, somebody else to act. And you see that a lot still to this day. One of the things mm -hmm. I put out to my administrative staff and my lieutenants and captains, especially the guys that are up on the boardwalk and all, you hear the same five people calling everything out because they're the they're the ones that are the con more confident and they need to be put into the uncomfortable position of calling out the names, especially a long uh, name with has about 15 um, vowels and vowels. and it yeah. where you know and they're trying to call the with by the uh, by the alphabetical names and they're messing it up and guys are razzing them a little bit, but that's all a part of it. Once they do it the first time. They'll be more confident the second time. So there's a lot of, um, you know, of sitting, watching, and waiting. And even when I became sergeant, there was senior sergeants on with me that had on 15 years experience as sergeant. So um, you take in what, like I said uh, earlier, I think about how you take it in what you want to take in and the good and the bad. Um, there's always something good you could take from somebody, always. Even if considered the officer is not that great, he still does something good, whether how he talks to people, whether how he's responsive, whether how he writes a report. There's always something good. So to answer your question, I think it's more, yes, you you start to hit those levels where you become a leader within the department, but you have to get to that point first. And a lot of it is is paying attention, keeping your mouth shut, keeping your head down until it's your time to, to to shine basically yeah no i to i totally agree with all that and it, and it's it's funny because you can see over the course of time 
in police work in particular, but in, in other areas, you know, some people are willing, you know, to put themselves out there to, to take those bumps and know that growth comes with some stumbles and, and falls along the way, but it's going to pay in the long run. And you can find people uh, that are really good. You know who to hitch your wagon to and hang out with and, and take, um, you know, take some points from. So, uh, yeah, I, I think all that's really good. And, and, and I think um, good cops see all that. They know when to stand up and step out. They know when to, you know, to, to stand back and learn. Um, you know, it, it, it's a process. It's, it's, it certainly is a process. And people see those leaders early. They really do. I mean, the department can even see younger guys and go, "Wow, that 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 kid gets it. That kid gets it. He's he's gonna be he's gonna be good." So um, yeah, I was almost told by a few of the senior officers there that you're gonna end up being chief here um, one of these years. Just that, and you know, I don't think I was doing anything like special, but I think I was just being real and my confidence would grow because I would literally put myself in those uncomfortable situations. And it's hard. I mean, you know, it's, it's hard to do. Like one example is when I was Sergeant, when the judge, you have to call the judge to put somebody on a warrant and get bail. Um, it used to be the Sergeant would make the phone call and I would get the information from the officer and saying the, the uh, suspect did this, this, and this, how much you're looking for. So I started putting them on the phone with the judge. Because why am I repeating what, you know, you're just telling me that to cut out the middleman and get right to it so the judge can answer your questions. People were scared to death. They turned white thinking about talking to the judge. And right. it's the best thing we ever did because that's the, you know, that's one of the most, and it's it's easy. It was an easy thing to do. Be confident. Yeah. You already know the answers to these questions. You were on the call. You made the arrest. So you, right. you know all these answers. They're not going to ask you something out of the box that, you know, you're not going to be comfortable with. And so I always try to do that. I always try to, again, push people, put them in those sometimes uncomfortable situations. But in the end, it works out not only for the uh, officer, but it works out for the entire agency because now you have a, that confident officer who, who's working. Yeah, absolutely. And it's and it's it, it's funny because over the course of time, you do see um if if there's nobody like you to to put those folks in an uncomfortable situation they may shy away from that for for months or or years you know not doing some of those things and then it becomes uncomfortable that you just you've never done it and now you're this seasoned uh, officer who hasn't done some of it so i i think there's really a place for you know for exactly what you said put them there make them do it it's not as bad as you think, and it's and it's going to be fine. And I think it's a uh, um, growing pains at some point, but it's yes. it's okay. It's worth it. Yeah. So, um, you know, as as I read some more about uh, all the things you've done, Chief, over the course of time, it looks like you've, you know, you you've had and you've shown great leadership uh, in the police department. Obviously, uh, over the course of this. Um, a very strong law enforcement career, but you've also shown great leadership in the community. I mean, you've you've started programs, you've started um, clubs, groups, organizations, um, however you, you know you'll identify them, and and it really in Philadelphia and at the Jersey Shore. So talk to us a little bit about that. So it's pretty wild how things start and how things connect, and even to this day, still connecting. So I'm a senior in 1990. I just graduated. And we had one of our friends 
killed in the the neighborhood. Well, right outside of the neighborhood, basically. He was walking up to South Street. He was jumped and he was he was killed. A um, lot of the local EOM club was like the local community club. And um, um, they had like uh, they had council people, police, guardian angels were there at, at this point. Uh, because it was like almost corners fighting corners, sections of South Philly fighting each other and doing all this. And it might have been a thousand people in this room. So us as just kids who would be hanging on the corner on Second Street would just go into the room and listen to what was being said. So now everybody's basically coming at the kids and that's all the kids faults. And, you know, it was our fault that this kid was killed and all. Not that it was our group. He was one of our friends, but that. We shouldn't be hanging out in the corner. We should find out something better to do. So everybody's talking, everybody's giving all this stuff. And now they ask, they look to the group of about 50 of us and they say, we need somebody to get up and talk for the group. So I'm standing in the back. At this point, I didn't do anything like this. I was never a leader. I was never captain of a team. I never did anything like this. But one of the other guys who, older guys, who is a Philadelphia police officer now, highway patrol, older than me says that I should be the one to get up and talk. And they literally pushed me forward, like you see on the TV and in, on shows, pushed yeah. me up front on this stage, put a microphone in my hand, and started talking. So I think it was because I, and I had common sense, and I wasn't one of them guys that just would speak and, and yell and do all this stuff, and I addressed the crowd. So much so that it calmed the crowd, I believe, and the Pennsport Civic Association, which is the neighborhood where we lived, offered me a position on their their committee after this. And wow. I was 18 years old. Wow. So literally, I look at that point for being a leader and I was pushed into it. But those opportunities, Dan, like, I, you know, sometimes they come and go. I could have said no. And I said, I'm not going up and gave the microphone to somebody else. But that, I think, set me forward on this this path. Um, is then I became that guy who was like a spokesperson. I became that guy who people would talk to that uh, um, when there was a problem and can we get some people to help out, volunteer and all this stuff. So that was only short lived because I was a summer, I became a summer officer in 93. So I'm literally just still in Philadelphia for two years at that point. And to the residency, I have to establish residency down the shore to Northwild to become full time. So I literally, I left Philadelphia when I was 21 and I'm trying to establish myself down the shore. And um, I wind up being for the Wildwood Catholic freshman basketball team, a basketball coach. And I didn't really know anybody down there. I knew everybody during the summer, but during the winter, I didn't know anybody. I had some coaching experience uh, when I was 20, when I was 18 and 19 with a Sacred Heart CYO program in the city in Philadelphia. And we won the championship the first year that I coached. Wow. Again, first time coached. So I answer an ad in Wildwood Catholic in the choppy newspaper that they were looking for a coach. I was shocked that they would put that, they didn't have somebody in mind or a former player. I called right. the phone number, I'm meeting with uh, with the staff of Wildwood Catholic and then the job. I wind up getting the, the job. So now I'm freshman coach and I'm meeting uh, business owners and judges and um, police officers and uh, owners of hotels and just people from the from the community who have their kids going to Wildwood Catholic 
and I'm going all across South Jersey, you know, playing in Vineland, Hammondson, Atlantic City, on um, Middle Township, and and literally got exposed to a lot of things where I would never have if I wasn't this basketball coach. I would have been sitting home waiting for the call to, to go to work. So I look at the way that I I kind of uh, have what you asked me, what, how do I lead? What's my leadership? I think coaching, and it literally does come out of coaching because of being in these two uh, these two areas where I became the coach. I started a group in Philadelphia because now people are getting old enough. They're like in 1995, I started a group called the Second Street Irish Society. So now people are 23 years old, 24. You're too old to be still hanging out on the on the corner. So uh, let's start a group. And we started this group to march in a Philadelphia St. Patrick's Day parade. So um, it's an Irish Catholic parade. Our neighborhood in South Philly, very uh, Irish Catholic, you know, our ancestors came off the boat on, in Washington Avenue, which is uh, in Philadelphia, which is walk, within walking distance of our house. But it's the Ellis Island of up on the New York City. In Philadelphia, Washington Avenue was where a lot of the immigrants came in. So I had a lot of, uh, a lot of help with that with the Irish Society. And that started in 1995 and literally got that ball rolling. But we became not just a group to go out in the St. Patrick's Day Parade, but very involved with the with community affairs, very involved in volunteering, very involved with um, um, just people who needed a place to, to go. I actually wrote the mission statement for it. And um, when I started, because I was the founder and president, that we as a society serve as a beacon to those who may not have the courage to actually stand up for what they believe is right and to lend assistance to those who do. We as a society aim to clear the way when we have to, even in the face of adversity and challenge others to do the same. So this is a group of, I, this is a group of 20 year olds, 21 year olds, 22 year olds, all basing around this idea of volunteerism. And we focus those kids on the corner to become these people who are active in the community and, and all. So that goes to about 2000. I'm five years now. I'm really invested down in North Wild. Can't make the trip back and forth anymore. So I start a group called the Anglesey Irish Society. And it's a sister club of the Second Street Irish Society. It's the um, at North Wildwood wing of the, of the Second Street Irish Society. Same bylaws, same rules, same volunteerism. And I wound up being the president of that a couple of years. And it's still on, on Pacific Avenue to this day. They run boots at the beach. They run a lot of uh, special events in North Wildwood and in Cape McDowney that you see. And it's great. I'm not, I'm a part of both clubs, but I'm not active in either. The, um, but to be able to have those two organizations and to get going um, from basically they didn't e exist. And they're still to this day, they're more powerful than ever. Uh, still doing the volunteer work, but it's that coaching of getting those kids for one corner to 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 get into this new headspace of volunteerism and doing the work, and the same group for the people at the shore. It was the uh, this club didn't exist. You know, you have the Elks and the Moose and stuff, but they've been around for years. This is a new group that is being started out of zero, and uh, to this day, they're still doing fantastic things. So it all basically re revolves around coaching i think in each of these things that i have done yeah it really is you know that's an amazing story because you know you're you're 
you know, you had amazing growth as a leader in the police department, but but in the community, I mean, just that, just as a young a young person uh, creating more community leaders, and which appears to be something that was desperately needed uh, during those times, and and you did that, and it's and it still exists today, and and I think that's really amazing work by you, and and to bring it to the to, to North Wildwood, um, to Anglesey, and and to to now be the leader of the police department, it it's a critical component to have the community relationship with the police, and I think you're sort of you're sort of bringing that together. Totally, you can't, you know, you always hear about uh, we're here for service, we're here for you, and but it's the truth. Um, I'm very lucky to work where I, I am. A lot of the uh, departments I see what's going on, especially after George Floyd, especially for COVID. Um, the whole policing world has changed in the last couple, couple of years. Um, I look at these other cities that do not have the support from the city, from the people, of uh, the residents, from the visitors. We have uh, the mayor and city council are fantastic. They are very pro-police. They Anything that we need, they like North Wildwood to be out there, to be out front. Um, the, the, the local residents, you know, we're always doing stuff in the off season where we have the North Wildwood Police Officers Association, where we're giving Christmas gifts out and uh, we're bringing, we're going to Acme and buying full Thanksgiving meals and bringing it to people and we're donating the causes and all. So we are fully invested into the, the community there. Funny thing is that, and I try to tell, I have to listen to this myself. Our social media pages are we're, are very active on into into uh, like North Wildwood's pages. I think our Facebook page is twenty nine thousand, over twenty nine thousand likes, and that's that's a lot for other police departments compared to other police departments. So we'll post stuff that we do in the community, and we'll post stuff, and we'll we'll show our officers. You know, uh, we'll do an introduction of our officers. Sometimes some kid will be selling will be selling a, on a lemonade, or uh, an officer will stop by and buy it from the kid. And we'll we'll post it. I like posting. I like showing my officers out that it's just not us about locking people up and writing tickets. We are in the community. I'll put I'll put our our response time against any other police department in the whole country because our officers are always out in the street. And we will get the call. We are definitely coming. Um, but we see the comments on these Facebook pages. And again, 29,000 people. And we could have 200 people write awesome comments. Great job. Great job, NWPD. But we focus on the two people who put a rotten comment or oh, get back to work or do something like that. Mm -hmm. And I have to focus. And it's not just about social media. It really goes with a lot of stuff. It's like, why are we focusing on those two people when we have 200 that are for it? And right. that's just the way we are wired, I guess. That, oh, you see those two? Well, how about the 200? So right. I take that a lot when you're looking to start something new, a new program, a new an, an initiative, a new something, that not everybody's going to like it. But overall, people do. And, you know, you have those stats like that, like, we have to, and I got to do a better job myself, but let's not focus on the ones who are the complainers. Let's focus on the ones that are already have, have bought in and, you know, are, are with us 1000% and, you know, and, and then go forward. Yeah. But, you know, I, you're, you're so right about that. I, you know, I always refer to them as the vocal minority 
they they tend to get the attention and and really you know you just keep putting out that positive information uh positive information and the way your officers are connecting with the community there's not enough of that i love that you're doing that and and the world gets to see it and people respond um, you know, it is a tough battle at times for the police to to be seen in a positive light. And um, but you keep putting it out there and showing it over and over. These aren't just occasional acts. This is a consistent connection with the community that's that's so critical for the success for everybody, really. Uh, I love it. Um, so you know, you, you build these um, these Irish organizations and, you, you know, you make these connections with the community, but you're, you know, you're doing so much for your for your uh, staff uh, there at the PD. I see that you're, you know, you're you're recognizing, you know, every time there's a promotion, your promotion, you're putting those folks out there uh, significant, um, you know, uh, training like that command and leadership school that's a, that's a pretty major accomplishment you put your folks out there and say hey our 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 um our sergeant or whoever just graduated from this class it's a major accomplishment and and let the world see that i think that's a critical um piece not only for that officer but for the community to see i think some places don't do it because of um the backlash they would get, or for whatever reason, because those the people that will get on and put on an ignorant comment. We're already past that. Uh, I want to show off my officers. I said I had when I became chief on June thirtieth. I had a I had a, a ceremony, swearing in ceremony at the amphitheater, the Lou Booth Amphitheater, Second Ocean, Second Ocean, and that's what that's all that I I needed at that point. Um, I had my day that June thirtieth, and literally July first of 2021, I was putting people in these different schools and in uh, CPM school and FBI National Academy, which I'm very, we have a captain who's going to the FBI National Academy in January, and we haven't had an officer go to there since 1999. So wow. I'm really, I'm very proud of doing that. And uh, we will work short so she can go. Um, that is a um, that's about the best school that you can go. And the hard work it took to make this happen is going to be, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's going to be so worth it when I'm down there and she's graduating. And uh, and you'll see the post because I'm going to be very proud of, of someone from North Wildwood Police is back in this program. 25 years we haven't sent anybody. So um, yeah. and okay. these are it's showing it's getting them out of the. Um, it's getting them out of their comfort zone again by even putting a cap, a seasoned captain or a seasoned lieutenant into these schools because now they're just not in with their academy people at the Cape May County at an in-service. Now they're going to Trenton for schools. Now they're going to uh, Atlantic City for schools. They're going to Cumberland County, Cape May County, and they're sitting in these classes with officers from different walks of life and different areas of the state and getting different input. I yeah. like the idea of them being exposed to other ideas and not just um, the echo chamber, so to speak. One thing I did is we have a, um, a there was one day a year, it's usually after July 4th weekend, where a department meeting I have, and I have everybody come in. 
and this has been a long-standing thing. I didn't start this, but I, I continued it, where even like this uh, summer cops that get out of the academy um, are from janitor to secretary to code enforcement to dispatcher. The room is every one of our employees. And I started bringing in different voices. I brought in, I brought a captain and uh, a deputy chief in, in from different police departments in, um, to come down and speak to my entire staff. What it used to always been was the chief would get up and speak and would spoke uh, to the crowd and basically said, be safe, but don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. And I wanted to change the message that, you know, I, the first year I became chief, I spoke because I wanted to put out my message. But the last two years, I've had these two come in and speak to our police department and about, about accountability, There's, they speak about. And um, it went over well. It's they're seeing, they spoke to about an hour, to an hour and a half. And people got up and shook hands and clapped and, and did all this stuff. And I think that's important, which I haven't seen other departments do that. And I was getting messages about how, wow, you were thinking out of the box by bringing these uh, other uh, people in. And they're both on the, the, the circuit. They're both, they both uh, do um, public speaking and uh, they have consulting firms. But it was good to, I think, have the message from other um, people to say, look, doesn't matter if you're from, from North Jersey, you're from South Jersey, you're from North Wildwood, wherever you're from. We're all in the same job here. And accountability is key. And for them to hear that from just not from my mouth or from my administrative staff, I think was important. And I think it did hit as we um, as that happened. Yeah, I, 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 you know, it's, you know, I talk about perspective all the time and, and, and you're exactly right. I mean, if you're just around um, police officers that, that work at the seashore and, and they're, you know, encountering these seasonal things and they have some of the same experiences, you know, it's, it's great to, to mix them in with, with, you know, officers from, from Trenton or, you know, from Atlantic city that, you know, that, uh, have, have completely different experiences and different perspectives and different ways of approaching things. And it really is great for people to be exposed to that and, and to, and to have speakers come in and, and talk to your team and, and have everybody in that room listening. I, you know, I, I think that it's invaluable uh, to do that. So many other things, chief, that you're in, involved with in, in your department, um, you know, recognize recognizing these summer officers these kids that are you know just getting their feet wet and they're, they're unsure of themselves and their futures and and you're you know you're singling some of those folks out for awards it's very impactful for those kids to have to have a chief recognize them as a young person just starting off in their law enforcement career and i love that you're doing that we couldn't do this job without them. Um, we just couldn't. We go from 4,000 in the winter to 75 to 100,000 in the summer. And we have 29 full-time officers. During the summer, we hire about 50 seasonals between class two and class one. So literally have 80 officers for under two miles square. Um, and yeah. we need all of them. And they yeah. basically are, they don't get off weekends. They are worked 50 hour weeks and, um, you know, they can't go to concerts. They can't go to weddings. We're told, they're told before they accept the job, 
you know, you are here, you are working, and you know, um, is there anything that would be holding you up? And uh, again, it's a stepping stone, but we need them. And it's pretty, it's pretty amazing when you look at, at my sergeants and you look at the, uh, you know, the administrative staff and even the full-time officers, how many years this has been going on, that we get these kids that have never been a cop before. They go to the academy during the summer, eight uh, weeks for six days a week. And they're basically expected to be a full-time cop. You know, a lot of our class twos are, you know, even though they work foot beat on the boardwalk or during the beach, but then into our bar area they go and they're handling all kinds of different calls. And you have to, to try to get them to that point and that for a, such a, a small period of time, the least we could do is to try to recognize them. So I started the Seasonal Officer of the Year Award and I started that in uh, 21. And uh, we get the input from the uh, sergeants and it goes up the chain and then we wind up figuring out, you know, who was, who based, and it's not, it's not over who got the most tickets or who made the most arrests. It's whose work ethic. It's basically a work ethic award. Um, who comes in and does what they're supposed to do. Who's not, you know, who's not late, who's doing this. And uh, we've had some great officers over the years to the point where we have, um, you know, from all over the, we have a big board in our police station uh, they all started here, it's called. And um, we have patches from when they get hired full time. We ask them to send one of their patches back for, to us from where they got hired at. We've had people from uh, deputy chief from Houston to the um, lieutenant colonel of the New Jersey State Police to FBI Secret Service on President Trump's de uh, detail when he was in office to Philadelphia hierarchy, to state polices all across the uh, the country. And it's that pride that we get to see how they're doing well. But we try to have a little end of the season party for them, you know, just a, some time to uh, cool off and hang out a little bit. And then we, we kind of end it with this, giving out this award. And um, I think it's important. They're not getting any recognition. I've been approached by other chiefs that says, wow, that's a good idea. You know, maybe we should do something like that. And I said, sure. I mean, I think they all should. I know I would have liked it if I would have had some recognition back in the day. So it doesn't sure. take a whole lot, Dan, to do this. It's like, yeah. you know, you you put out, a, you talk to your staff, you get a, get a plaque made up and you make a presentation. And um, I think we get lost sometimes and think, oh, you know, it's so much work and all. It really isn't. It really isn't. To take the time to recognize your officers, your staff, and that goes a, a long way, I think. Totally agree. I mean, you you, you create it, it. It it really does not take a lot. I mean, you know, it's a simple thank you. It's an appreciation for the work that they've done, and and it goes miles and miles. And you know what? You you have a, a department that is creating a foundation for these folks to move forward in their careers. You're not destroying their love of police work. You're 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 increasing their love for police work and then driving them on to do bigger and better things, um, you know, beyond uh, their summer officer uh, duties uh, in North Wildwood. So I absolutely love that. I think that's pretty cool. One of the other things, Chief, that um, uh, I think is is awesome is that you, you know, just recently I saw you added this big stuffed guy that walks around the. Uh, uh, um, as a, a mascot for the department, and you had the community uh, try to name 
Uh, him. It's a shark. Am I right, Chief? No. It's a dolphin. It's, uh, what? It's a dolphin? It? Yes. It's a dolphin. It has the yeah. big fin on the back, though. And <laughs> Phineas is the, the name that was chosen. It's P-H-I-N-N-E-A-U-S. It's funny. Some people thought it was a shark because the fin is literally coming out of the back of the of the uniform. And yeah. we had a, a hole cut for that, but it yeah. was done on, on, on purpose. But um, it's been fantastic. Um, and again, something else that I've never seen a mascot. You know, people have had mascots that are for um, for like at the, the lead program and different other things. And it's already like that one mascot that everybody uses. I yeah. wanted to tie in with the dolphin, which you go out to Hereford Inlet and you go out to the Atlantic Ocean on our front beach and dolphins are swimming all, all summer long. And on yeah. our patch, two of them are on our, our patch. I think our patch is the best. That There's nothing like it. And two dolphins are on our patch. So I said, let me try to tie something in the community that ties literally with our town, with North Wildwood, with the mm -hmm. dolphins. And we have dolphins on our patch already. So it's been yeah. a big hit. We've been getting calls from different events and different parades. And they, they want Phineas to show up to everything. But we had the national night out a few weeks ago. And basically, that was Phineas's coming out. And fantastic response. The kids, right. the the jumping into Phineas's arms and wanting to take pictures. And it wasn't just kids. It was people in their 40s and 50s wanting to take a picture with Phineas. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. this is that part where I think when I told my officers and my staff what I was thinking about doing with this, I think they thought I was nuts. It's like, wait, a minute, <laughs> you want to have a, a dolphin mascot for the police? It's really taken off. And this weekend... Um, in the next few weekends, we're going to have uh, Phineas out at Irish Fall Festival and, and stuff like that. So, again, just taking pictures, connecting with the community. Um, a lot of police interaction isn't usually good because they're either getting stopped and getting a ticket or they're being told stop doing something. Or, right. you know, so if we can, like, kind of calm the waters a little bit and have our dolphin mascot show up, to different things and uh like even irish weekend could get rough sometimes but having yeah. the dolphin walking around i think <laughs> is going to calm things down so we'll see it's been a success so far um but yeah I, when i first i think people thought i was a little crazy putting it out but the amount of calls we get and if they want phineas to show up to things has been yeah. unbelievable and it's going to be getting more and more as the more um phineas is out into the into the public and more exposure yeah i love that i mean you know McGruff the crime dog has been around right. for a long, long time, but it's pretty cool to see. And I've never seen it. Uh, a department, you know, have their own sort of mascot. And and you're right. Now that I think about it, your patch, you know, does have those two dolphins on there. So pretty cool. I love that community uh, involvement there with the police department. It shows great leadership, thinking outside the box, doing amazing things uh, in North Wildwood, uh, Chief. Uh, just, you know, one other thing I wanted to touch base with you on is uh, before we go is it, we we had some, you know, I, I think we're still having a little bit of a, a tough time uh, with um, police relations and, and the community and and nationwide. There's a struggle um, for police uh, at times um, being seen in a negative light. And I think you're doing a lot of amazing things to sort of overcome that in, in your town and 
And uh, but I, I don't know. You tell me. Is is there is there any times where you feel like that that struggle is real? We're in like a beach town in North Wildwood, where I think I said earlier about we have total buy-in um, from the the community. And as I said it's it's an honor to work there. It's uh, I have it easier than these other chiefs. But when you go across the state to different conferences and different meetings and stuff, you hear the uh, the horror shows that are going on in some of these and some cops in some cities can't even, uh, there's nowhere they can eat or go to the bathroom unless they're in their own, own police headquarters. Um, so it is there. Um, we see it. I think the most is interest in hiring. Um, we used to have a waiting list and now we don't, um, we have to go and recruit. We go across the entire state. We go up to Edison. We go to Camden. Uh, we try to recruit officers where before we would just not even, even before social media, we didn't even advertise. People would just want to be the summer officer and get their foot in the door and go forward. And now um, we have to go and get these officers. It's a challenge. It's a challenge for every other police agency um, to try to, you know, uh, to keep the public safe by having enough officers hired. But that's going to be a challenge going forward. Um, it's, you know, it's, um, it's still a good job, though. It's still, you know, it's still a fulfilling job, um, saving somebody's life, um, putting that your arm around that kid who might have just saw some, some tragic event. Um, you know, you can, and I have been told over the course of my 30 years that I've changed their life. I was one guy that I arrested under the influence of alcohol, and uh, he was operating a vehicle, and um, it was his second DUI. And literally five years, he comes up to me and he says, do you know who I am? And I said, no, I have no idea. And um, he said, you saved my life by locking me up that, that second time. Again, I don't even, don't even know the guy's name. He shook my hand. He said, thank you. And, uh, and he went off about his way. But stuff like that happening, you know, that really is, is impactful. When you think, you know, you're making an arrest and, um, you know, some people look at it as, yo, you're going to wreck this guy's life. You're going to ruin this guy's life by doing the second arrest. But it's not the police doing it to the people. That's what we got to, you know, we have to make that clear. These people are making these bad decisions sometimes. But the decision to make the arrest got him help, got him sober, and according to him, saved his life. So when, obviously when you hear stuff like that, it's very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Chief, I love what you're doing there. Uh, you know, soup to nuts from you, you know, um, starting as a coach uh, to change in the course of your life by uh, by becoming a police officer, impacting so many people, young officers, the community, kids. Uh, it, it's amazing what you're doing there. Uh, I know you said um, maybe sometime spring next year you you're retiring. It's a that's a that's a hit for the community, I think. Um, and the law enforcement uh, community as well. So thank you for everything you've done and are doing uh, in North Wildwood. And, and thanks for giving us some of your time tonight. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it too. All right. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Again, we appreciate Chief John Stevenson being with us. Lots of good stuff tonight. Thank you, everybody, for being here. And we'll see you next time on the next episode of Talking Leadership. I'm Dan Mulraney.